Oh! <laughs> 
Well, what would Christmas be without hearing our children and you sing some songs for us, amen? And, and what would church be without a multi-generational presence in our services, amen? We're going to transition into our, our normal praise and worship this morning, but we're going to do that with scripture reading. So if everybody would stand up this morning, we know that it is Advent season, amen? God broke into our world to save us, and that's what this is all about. The celebration of God in flesh, God with us, Emmanuel, amen. I'd like to read to you from Isaiah chapter 9 this morning. Beginning in verse number 2. And the people that walk in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them has light shined. Thou hast multiplied the nation and not incre and increased the joy, the joy before according to the joy of the harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For thou hast broken the yoke of the burden, and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. For every battle of warriors both confused noise and garments rolled in blood, both this shall be burning and fuel of fire. And why is this? Because of this. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. And upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth ever forever. And the zeal of the Lord shall accomplish this. And everybody says, Amen.
choose his identity, not the world. We put on his identity. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, I am loved by him. Come on. Now you got to put your hands together and clap in the house of the Lord. We thank God for his freedom. For we have found life and liberty in that freedom.
else. Well, say hi to a couple people around you before you sit down this morning. Let them know you are glad they're here with you today. excited you're with us this morning. Live streamers, it's good to have you. And uh, we're excited you joined us this morning. We'll take care of visitors right now at this time, too. If you're a visitor with us this morning, we please raise your hand up real fast for us because we want to give something to you. So first timer, well, we have some here. Let's welcome this morning. Let's give them a round of applause for joining us. We're excited to have them with us. get into our announcements this morning. By the way, you can take that welcome package you got out to the Welcome Center after church, and they'll receive that from you and, and give you a gift this morning. So we're glad you were with us. Uh, marriage conference coming up. So we're going to give a couple announcements in our videos. Uh, marriage conference coming up February 8th and 9th, and Friday, February 8th, that's 8 to 10 p.m., and then Saturday morning, 10 to 1230 uh, p.m. Um, it's a simulcast, Jimmy Evans, and, and we had it last year. It was a great time. We're having it back again. Cost for the marriage conference is 10 bucks a couple. That's it. Dirt cheap. But here's the thing. We're challenging all the men in the house. How, how many guys are married? Let me see. Or, or wanting to get married to somebody. Let me see. Okay, we're challenging you to... Show your spouse that you prioritize your marriage. So we challenge you to come out to the marriage conference February 8th and 9th. All you got to do is this, real simple. Sign up in the lobby at the Welcome Center. Then when you come Friday night or Saturday morning, just pay your 10 bucks to get in. Uh, by the way, free babysitting during Friday night and Saturday morning sessions. So, uh, and plus just some snacks and things like that. But it's going to be a good time. Where is Andrew and Ashley? They were at the marriage conference last year and benefited from it. So we're going to let them just share just for a moment about their experience last year. Yeah, absolutely. Came last year. Uh, wasn't, didn't really know what to expect. I'd never been to a simulcast conference before. Um, and right away, I got to say, if you've never heard Jimmy Evans, he blew me away with just the way that he communicated uh, and the emphasis that he put on marriage. And it's something we've been married for 12 years now. And it's something that uh, you always think, okay, we're going to put some energy and effort into it. But to really take time and take a few days to really just focus on our marriage was huge. Last night we were at an event last night where it was a 40-year wedding anniversary, and I was thinking to myself, wow, our, you know, what do we have to do to get to that 40 years and make it as great as theirs was? Um, and the thing that I kept hearing over and over again was um, it's time and energy and effort that's put into the marriage relationship. So that was huge for me. I, I often say when I talk to others about our marriage, I often say that marriage is a four-letter word, work. <laughs> but it's beautiful when it does work. <laughs> and I, I often tell people that our marriage is good because of Andrew, because <laughs> he puts a spiritual priority on it, and he fights for our marriage daily, and I kind of just ride on his coattails. But I'm telling you, last year when we went to this marriage conference, Jimmy Evans talked on serving your spouse. He said, we serve so many in the church. We serve those in need. We've served those out on the street. If you need something, sure, I'll get it for you. Oh, you have a need, you need groceries, I'll get it for you. But how often do we serve our spouse? You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm telling you, last, <laughs> last year, it turned my awareness on of, oh, the person besides the Lord that I should be closest in relationship with, 
I should be serving daily. And how many times am I selfish? Sorry. (laughs) How many times am I selfish and not serve? So that brought, it was something this small, but it magnified it through this marriage seminar. It was amazing. And I can't wait to see the next one. It was good. You guys been married 12 years, so my wife and I, we've been married 24 years. We're coming up on 24 years. We're, we're coming, so it's not just for uh, young married couples. It's not just for you if you feel like maybe your marriage has some troubles. It's for everybody. Let's keep up on things, keep things maintenance, and moving forward in a proper way. Amen. So, gentlemen, we're personally challenging you to bring your wife out, sign up in the lobby for that. Second announcement is uh, we're doing a... Washington, D.C. tour next October 7th through 11th uh, through K&K Tours. Um, And highlights of this trip, um, U.S. Capitol Building, Vietnam, Wall Memorial, Holocaust Museum, all these different neat things that are in Washington, uh, the the, uh, museums there. If you're interested in this, it's a Christian-based tour talking about the foundations of of faith of our nation and all those kind of things. If you're interested in this tour, prices and all those things are in these brochures at the Welcome Center in the lobby. We need 30 participants to make this tour happen. Anything less, it just doesn't go off. So if you're interested, pick this up. If you have questions, see myself or Christina Mackey. I'm is Christina here? I didn't think I saw her this morning. But see Christina also, and we'll help you out, give you more information about that. But it'll be a good time. I went on this tour uh, with my son's eighth grade class from Jackson Center High School, and it was, and it was a great tour. So if, if you haven't been to D.C. in a long time, or if you've never been there, or just like to go, I would encourage you to pick this up and uh, participate in that. And one last thing before we go to commercials. Candlelight service coming up. We'll, we'll be talking about that. But I just want to highlight on the lobby uh, welcome center, is this little card has the candlelight graphic on the front, and on the back it says, you're invited. Now, here's something that we just recently saw. I was reading an article that right now in the United States, the candlelight Christmas Eve service is the most attended service by non-church goers over even Easter. It's the biggest attendance of non-church goers of the year. So, how about this? Let's take advantage of it. Amen? Now, one of our core values is that we are rescuers. How many of you believe you are a rescuer? Let me see. You are about the lost in the world. So this is a wonderful opportunity to bring somebody out. They're interested in this. It's a traditional uh, night for people to get out to church that don't go to church. So pick one of these up, two or three of them up, invite some people out, encourage them to meet you here at the service, and uh, we will see the gospel of Jesus touch their life. Amen? Guys, can we have those commercials? It's that time of year again. You and I both know what it is. It's the hustle and the bustle and the gifts to buy and the food to get and all the family and friends to invite over for that special day, right? Also going to be torn into in less than 30 minutes and done and over. But you and I both know we need to take time to remember the birth of Christ. Christmas Eve service, that's a real special time that we can do that. December 24th at 6.30 p.m. You and I, with all of your family and your friends that are in from out of town, let's light candles, let's hear about the story of Christ, and let's remember and reflect together. And truly, let's remember what the true meaning of this season is all about. Join us. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Jesse the Planets. I'm so excited. I'm coming back to Botkins, Ohio, January the 5th and the 6th 
2019 at the main campus of Only Believe Ministries. Call some friends, bring some friends, and I tell you what, we're going to have a wonderful time preaching the gospel, being blessed. That's January the 5th and January the 6th, 2019, right there in Botkins, Ohio, Only Believe Ministries, the main campus. Come on, we're going to have a great time. See you there. Hello, hallelujah. Praise God. It's always a great time to have Jesse with us. Praise God. People say, well, I don't like Jesse. I know it. He doesn't know you either. <laughs> so it may be that he wouldn't like you. So you never, you know, you just can't take what people tell you. You know, I heard somebody say that I was mean one time. I was never mean to them until after I met them. But they were spreading that rumor. So now look. We're going to receive our tithing offering. Dave, you need tithing offering envelope. Please raise your hand up high. This is one of the great, great times that we as believers get to establish and declare our faith. And I want to read to you out of 2 Corinthians 8, chapter verse 1 uh, on down. And it says this, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia how that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality for to their power I bear record yea beyond their power they were willing of themselves praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints and this they did not as we as hope but first gave them their own selves unto the Lord and unto us by the will of God they gave beyond their self what in the world does that mean how do you give beyond yourself well, first of all, you would have to exclude yourself if you're going to do something beyond it. You've got to get yourself out of the way. But I believe that there are motivating factors in a believer's life that challenges them to give into the work of the kingdom. Even out of their great poverty, these people are struggling. We say, well, well we will give when we get out. You know, sunshiny giving is not a way of life. It is just an opportunity, but it never ever really expresses the depth of your faith, your love, or the willingness of you to sacrifice for something bigger than yourself. Amen. These people gave out of a motivation of love. They loved out of their tribulation and their affliction, their deep poverty, the motivation of them willing to give is their love. They had a love for the kingdom. And I know that people say, well, you can't measure everything in giving. I understand that you can't. But the Bible says that where your treasure is, and that word treasure is wherever your mammon or earthly wealth is pointed to, that's where your heart is going to follow. These people had a motivation of love. And I know that before I was married, I'm, hey, praise God, I'd give everything I had to Phyllis. About two weeks later, I realized that was an endless journey. And uh, she just was, you know, you couldn't pour enough in there to fill it up. So I just quit giving and she still got it all. 
Now, and then the second thing that they did, they were motivated by faith. There is something that when you are imprisoned, bound, under tight places, under pressure, where it seems like you can't move, there is no way out. Faith is your only hope. These people realize that I've got to be motivated by God, but faith will create the way. Love is a great motivator, but only faith can provide the way out. Faith is the creating factor of the believer's life. And then they had to make a sacrifice. Now, I'm sure that some of them had, you know, barrels of food or oil or grain set aside, money hid back, wives counting out, sneaking out pennies, trying to survive this time of poverty, of poor affliction and hardship. Their children barely getting by just as they are. But someplace in all of the depths of these troubles that seem to be so overwhelming, they were motivated by love. They realized that faith was their only answer for a breakthrough, and they were willing to sacrifice for others. And that's really what giving does. It causes us to be motivated by love. Do we love the kingdom? Well, yes, I love the kingdom, as long as it doesn't cost me anything. And then I believe in faith, but I'm not going to risk everything to really trust God. And God, I'm willing to sacrifice that others may know him. Our giving does that. Our giving supports. Our giving perpetuates. And our giving establishes the kingdom in other people's lives. And in fact, that is the only purpose that God gives us for being empowered to get wealth. He says, don't forget that it's I that giveth thee the power to get wealth that I may establish my kingdom. The kingdom is top priority in every believer's life. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's pray over your tithe and offerings today. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we do love you and we are motivated, God, to be givers. We are motivated, God, to be people that prioritize what is important in our life. You, your will, your voice, your plan, your purpose, and your kingdom are the utmost priorities of our life. Secondly, God, we understand that it's by faith that, God, we live in this by faith, God, that we receive in this by faith, God, that we please you. And, God, though we may not see the answer, we do know that it will come out successfully on our behalf. And then, God, today we stand and, Father, we're willing to sacrifice whatever it takes, God, whatever it takes to get the job done. Father, we realize that people are waiting to hear the gospel. Every 10 seconds, 26 people are dying and going to eternity. Only one of them is a known Christian. Every 10 seconds, 26 people have just died. 25 of them are totally lost. And only one knows Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We're willing to sacrifice. Amen? Praise God. Father, in the name of Jesus, 
we thank you for this opportunity that over all of the voices, God of reason, we still cry out, God, you are my first priority. God, you are the reason that I use my faith. And God, I'm willing to sacrifice because Jesus did it for me. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Stand your feet and bring your tithe and offering unto the Lord. Well, hey, live streamers, once again, we're excited to have you along with us here at Orangeley Ministry Christian Center. Now, listen, real quick, we know that we're having some audio difficulties, so we're working on the best we can, so we hope we get that corrected real quick here. Anyway, right here in the main house, we're giving up our tithes and offerings. If you want to participate in giving today, giving by faith, click the give button on the screen. The window will pop up, follow the instructions in that window. When you're done, click out of it, right back here for the service. But anyway, listen, we've got a lot of exciting things happening here at Orangeley Ministry Christian local to us, maybe you weren't able to make it today for some reason, or well, maybe you've been catching this live stream and, and you're local, but you haven't visited with us, but we want you to come out and see what we have going on. Lots of things for children, youth, and adults. So come visit, certainly pay attention to our candlelight service. It's going to be a wonderful time celebrating the birth of Jesus. Well, we're going to get back to your service, so enjoy today. I believe Pastor Joseph has a word that will touch your heart. Amen. Awesome. Well, we have an awesome opportunity before us. We had 290 turkey breasts donated to our church. Frozen turkey breasts. Isn't that awesome? They're coming Wednesday. And um, what, we, what we would like to do is to have every one of you take one home with you on Wednesday for the sole purpose of giving it to a friend, a neighbor, or a co-worker, someone in your neighborhood, and invite them to church. And we have an opportunity for a candlelight service, right? A candlelight service. We, and what we will do, we'll provide these cards for you with the turkey, with invite cards. And so this is just an opportunity to touch and connect with somebody, to put something in their hand, to bless them for this holiday season, but also to invite someone to church. It's a good tool to utilize, to invite them into this church. And how many know that almost everyone in here can, are here because you were invited? And we know that. Most people come to church because they have been invited. Um, so that's what we want to do. We want to invite people to church. So 290 turkeys. We need 290 takers to pick them up and invite them. That's 290 invites in our community um, with something tangible in their hand. Isn't that awesome? So this is our opportunity. So Wednesday night after service, we're going to be um, distributing them and, and, and giving you some tools to hand out. And we just want you to be a part of it. So plan on coming and taking a turkey and giving it to a friend. Amen. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks, Brother Rob. All right, that was a weak deal. hand clap. Come yeah. on. Man, thank you. This is about souls. Come on. Hallelujah. Yes, we love it. So, hey, uh, youth ministry, we got a couple of announcements. Looks like our announcements are going to be similar today. They are? First off, 
we have our Christmas parties today for 24-7. So here's how it works. We're doing it a little different this year, so we want you to be aware. If you follow 24-7 on Facebook or Instagram, you have this information. But we're doing four different Christmas parties at people's houses this year just to mix it up and be different. The fifth and sixth graders, so if you're a parent of a fifth or sixth grader, they're at my house today, and we are actually providing transportation right after service today. We'll drive them down to my house, and then you can pick them up at 4 o'clock or earlier, but not after 4. Amen. Yeah, fifth and don't, sixth graders. Don't forget your kid. Fifth and sixth graders at, at your house? house? Yeah. Your personal home. Yes. The one you just remodeled and repainted and put new trim down. Yes. And new carpet and wood. Yes. No, it's not. It's not, not an overnighter. overnighter. Leave the it's kids in his house tonight. But uh, anyway, so that one's at my house. Uh, your kids will ride with us right after church. So have them just meet me back in the 24-7 sanctuary. If you have any questions, come and talk to me. Our 7th and 8th graders, their party is at the Duncan's house uh, in Lima from 4 to 630 uh, our ninth and 10th graders are at Judy Zerker's house in New Bremen from 5 to 8. And then our juniors and seniors are at Josh and Abby Miller's in Wapak from 4 to 7. So I know that's a lot of stuff. Just get on our Facebook page and look it up. That'll be much more helpful. Or come ask me after service. I would love to answer those questions for you. The other thing I need to talk to you about is, in case you're unaware... 24-7 is sending 15 students to Honduras next year on a missions trip to minister to orphans and children in need. Uh, I forget the statistic. If Ben was here, if I knew where he was at, he could tell us. I think it's something like 80, 83% of homes are fatherless. And so it's just kind of it. ridiculous. And so we're going to maximize student or children's ministry when we're there. We're really excited about going, but we need some help because it's expensive. The total cost of the trip is going to be around $24,000. And so one way that you can help us is, will you model this t-shirt for me? Oh, yes, sure can. Yeah. Yeah, this will be good. They told me to have Dakota model this, but I figured you could do a good job too. So anyways, we are purchasing these t-shirts as a fundraiser. You can purchase this t-shirt for $15, and all of the proceeds are going to go to the students that are participating in the trip. But the other thing that we want to do is if you're a business owner in the congregation, we would like to ask you to consider sponsoring the students through your business. And uh, we have a very generous church already. We know that. But we want to do something to say thank you as well. So all of the T-shirts that get printed, if you're a business and you donate, there's a little form that you can fill out. We would be honored to put your name on the back of the T-shirt, letting everyone know that you helped our students get there. And you'll know that you played a part in being a blessing to all the orphans and children that we're going to be ministering to while in Honduras. So if you're a business owner and you would like to do that or even pray about it, uh, these forms are available. If you want to, you can raise your hand right now, and one of our missions trip students will bring one to you, or you can come visit us at the Christmas. There's right up here, guys. Or you can come visit us at the table where hands. we're selling the Christmas cards. That's also a fundraiser. Hands high. Yeah. Ray Moody so will take one, Lincoln. Ray Moody will take one. Ray Moody, get Ray. Get Ray. Just raise your sure. hands up real high, guys. Uh, There's some over, over here. here. Yep, that's right. They'll move pretty quick. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh, we got keep, – keep the hands and, up. And uh, – what you can do is, if you're giving by credit card, all that information's right there on the form, and you can just drop these in the offering bucket. If you're going to be giving cash or a check, make sure you put it in a normal tithe and offering envelope, here. Here we go. and just put this form inside that envelope, and there they'll make sure that gets to us. But uh, yeah, right there, okay. There uh, and if you want to get one after service, we'll be available back at the Christmas card selling table as well. So at this point, we're going to go ahead and dismiss fifth through eighth grade, so if you're in a student fifth through eighth grade. You can go on and head back to service. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Pastor Tim. Appreciate that.
I feel kind of weird. I'm not going to do my announcements on the phone. I got a piece of paper. <laughs> it's okay. All right, so also Christmas party stuff. The OBMCC Kids Christmas party is the 16th, not today, the 16th of December, and we're going to be passing these out to your kids. If you haven't already got one, you'll get them today. And uh, it's basically the same thing. OBMCC will provide all the food, and we want you to provide all the awesome desserts that you know how to make. There'll be gift cards, again, for first, second, third place on the desserts, so how they look and, of course, how they taste. And I do not do any of the tasting, so I, I always stay neutral. I'm not ever the bad guy, ever. So those will be out there for you today. And then uh, one other announcement. Well, it's not even an announcement, but uh, this coming Saturday, we're going to go to the Walpock Manor, our Worship and Motion team, and some of the other kids. And we see this Saturday, we went to Fairhaven in Sydney, Ohio. And it was the first time we've ever done this with our Worship and Motion team. They did a fantastic job with all the songs that they did. And it wasn't long enough. They wanted more songs. So we did two more songs on top of that. And then the kids made cards, and we gave out candy canes with the Christmas story on it. Uh, Rob Kennedy gave an altar call, uh, and it was just, it was really touching. We brought Ebony as well, and I had never taken her into a, a nursing home before, so I kept a leash on her, even though I really wouldn't have to. And two of the residents thought that, that Ebony was their dog. So uh, one lady, she took the leash from the little girl and told Ebony to sit, and Ebony was really good. She sat beside her. Well, then when Ebony wanted to get up, she jerked that chain, that leash, and said, Sit! And I heard it from somewhere else. I was like, okay, I'm going over here. And I went over there and got on my knees. And I said, ma'am, I said, we're going to let Ebony uh, look at some of the other residents. And then she said, okay, that's fine. Just put her in the cage when you're done. I said, I will. I promise. So <laughs> Ebony was sitting back there while they were doing songs. And, and the kids were singing. And Ebony stood up. And I heard her from the back, sit. <laughs> it was awesome. It was great. So after we were all done, and we were uh, hugging the people and stuff. Ebony left, and I went over to her, and I said, I said, ma'am, I said, we put Ebony up. Is that okay? She said, thank you so much. So it was, it was good. That was poor Ebony. She had a great time. But through it all, it was amazing. The people loved it. They were laughing. They were, some of them were, had tears in their eyes, and they were enjoying the songs. And Mike Miller was, was there as well, singing and things. But as I think Rob Kennedy was doing the altar call, I saw faith. And on her own, without saying anything, she walked around to every resident and, and hugged every one. And I, ha- I think I, I caught a picture of her doing that, if I have it. If you can kind of see that, it's a, it was off my phone. But she's just hugging every resident. And man, that was so special. And that's one of the moments that really touched my heart. Faith, wherever you are, you got a heart of gold. And those residents just loved her and things. So we're going to be doing that again this Saturday at Walpock Manor. If you want to come up, it'll be at 2.30 p.m. Our kids will be there. We'll be doing songs, giving out cards, talking to them, and loving on them. So it was awesome. So Worship in Motion, Rose, Billsma, all you guys, thank you for helping out with that. So that's all I have. So at this time, let's uh, dismiss our three-year-olds way over there. We got a flag. If you're three years old, head on over that way. Parents, you might have to help them. That's fine. So right over in the corner there with Miss Erica. And then our pre-K students right there. Miss Rose has got the flag rolling. Pre-K. So that's before kindergarten. Straight down that aisle. And then Mr. Michael, straight down the center. And Becca, straight down the center aisle. Our kindergarten first graders, straight down that aisle. And then, of course, our SLAM students.
The girls are trying to do the flag back there. Second to fourth graders, straight down that aisle. Awesome. Thank you, guys. You're on, Pastor. Yeah. Good night. I don't have to be. Did you just say finally? What do they call them people that like to hear their self speak? What are they? Would you keep that, fellas? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God is a good God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Nikki, come up here. I'm just going to let Nikki preach this morning. And uh, not really. Not really. <laughs> come on, lead me and bless the Lord. Because if I lead it, it'll never hit anything they know. Wow, Dad. All right. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name, for he has done great things he hath done great things he hath done great things bless his holy name now let's bellow it out Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Hallelujah. Now everybody can agree that God is a blesser. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to talk to you today about one of the greatest crimes in the world taking place everywhere. And to most of the people that the crime is being committed, they never find it out until months and months later. And sometimes their whole life is ruined. I want to talk to you today about the loss or the thievery of your identity. Now, you might say, well, you know, I, I know who I am. Yeah, I know that. But I really want to talk to you today about the church losing its identity. It used to be that the church in Acts eleven twenty six, the world called the church Christians. Somebody say the church. The church was known as, as Christians. They had an identity. Hey, how you guys how you doing, doing, man? How you doing? Great, good? great. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah man. Hallelujah. You, you guys all right? Hallelujah. Great. Man, good to see you. I'm doing good, man. Good to see you. Hey, man. Hey, see you later. Come to church. Bunch of hypocrites. Oh, good. Praise God. Hallelujah.
hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. They aren't Mr. Dosak. What do you mean? No, that they're not. No, they are not. It felt so good. I hadn't been fondled like that for years. And, and I, I, I just didn't want to break the mold. I mean, you Phyllis is old, and I'm thinking, Lord, jeez. Every time she puts me, ow, ow, oh, honey, don't lean on my stove. Are you sure you can? Yeah, yeah, this is a... Peter W. Dosek. Yeah, who are you? Well, I'm Peter W. Uh, Dosek. Well, I, don't, I don't know about that. These gentlemen uh, got cards proven they are. Looks Man, like good Medicare and... Yeah, I got gee. insurance cards, old deal. Man, yeah. steal a... Whoa, good night. Yeah. But... Oh. Oh. Whoa! <laughs> of course, there could be other Doseks in the... Ohio, right? None like me. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. You know, having our identity stolen is so subtle. It's so subtle, so deceptive, that we almost don't even recognize it. But the world knew who Christians were. Christians never called themselves Christians. They never had to be asked, are you a Christian? They were known by their works. And works include several things. They do include certainly charitable works, caring one for another. But it also means moral integrity. They were known for being morally separated and different than the world. And then in uh, 1 Peter 2, 9, God calls us something. He calls us a royal priesthood. He calls us a holy nation. He calls us a peculiar or wigged out people. People that don't fit into the mold of the world. So the world knows who we are because the devil knows who we are. God knows who we are because he purchased us and created us to be what he's called us to be. But the church has lost its identity. It has had it altered by what some call the pressure of relevancy. But let me tell you something about relevancy. God doesn't change and he's relevant for today. Sin doesn't change, so its preaching is for today. The requirements to be born again have not changed, though the world has tried to change it, but those that really know the truth refuse to be changed or molded into the image or the mindset of the world. And so the church, in name only most of the time, really never bear the image of what God created them to be. The church in many ways has become a chameleon. They are part world when we're in it, and then we're part Christian when we're in the church. 
We think that within the parameters of our homes, our lives, our private, our intimacies, alone with those that we say we love and that we care for and they love us, that we're allowed to do whatever we want to do, yet then when we come on Sunday, we get a reach over and grab the hat of purity and sainthood, and we think that nobody is ever more aware of who we are. We are not chameleons. We have the attitude and the character of God, and we are unchangeable, and we are set in who we are and what we believe. Could I get an amen? There's the only way to change is for every believer to personally, personally take stock of their life. Nobody can be your watcher. No people can see when you're not here or if they see you stumble in a sin. But really when it gets down to nitty gritty, you are only the Christian that you are in your own home and behind your own closed doors. You're only the Christian that you want to proclaim or that you want to reflect the way that you respond to pressure. Could I get an Amen. Hallelujah. So we, as believers, have to make sure that we, as personal people, the people that proclaim that they're Christians, take stock of who they are. They put a value on God's will, a value on being a doer of the word, a value upon pressing towards the mark for the prize of God, and that they put their focus on real Bible god given transformation of the soul and of the body. Could I get an amen? Too many people get born again and then give it up and go with the flow. Christianity does not go with the flow and let you land where you land. Christianity is a calculated decision of living by faith and being transformed into the image of Christ Jesus. Today, when everybody is playing games, their thought and their focus is changing every two and a half seconds. And then we have to proclaim everybody ADD because that's what we're raising them to be. And it's for adults too. I see adults playing candy games. I'm thinking, how old are you? Uh, 80. Do you have anything better to do with your fingers? No, I'm just sitting here. I'm just playing the game, passing time. You're frying your brain. You're losing opportunities to witness. You're just blowing yourself away from humanity. You're isolating yourself, and you're losing brain power. Good night, hallelujah. Matthew, the fifth chapter, could I have it on the screen, verse 13 through 16. And then we're going to start getting into the message today that I believe is going to help you and shock you. You are the salt of the earth. Somebody say, that is my identity. But somebody has stolen your savor. And wherewith then can anything be salted or how can it be effective? It is henceforth no good for nothing. Somebody say for nothing. I don't know what nothing means in your world, but nothing means in my world nothing. Nothing. 
It is good for nothing but to be cast where? Out. And to be trodden under the foot of man. When people lose their identity. That word savor means this. Here's a real unique word. You are the salt of the earth. But because you have become foolish in your focus. Because you have stopped paying heed to godly unctions. You have become dull. Literally, you have become godless. It means to allow your godlikeness to become stolen. That's what much of the church is going through. We used to say, I'm not going to church with them bunch of hypocrites. Now they just say, I just don't want to go to church. Then it says this, and it says, And you are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle, put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick that it may give light unto all those that are in the house. And let your light so shine, let your light so shine, let it shine that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That word good works means this. Let people see your moral standard. Set it high. Let the indifference of the world be seen in the life that you portray. Let the upright deeds that you do, let the purity of the purpose of God govern your life. People say, oh, well, you know, morality is not even important today. Well, it's not important to those that don't want to shine. But it is important to God when he's created you something and you lose your identity. Then in Matthew 5.20, could I have that on the scripture? This is a great, and it says, I say this unto you. What's this? That except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case or wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. Well, they're talking about works. No, Jesus is talking to 12 men that have come out and followed him, that have resigned and given themselves to be the disciples of Christ. And he says, now let me tell you what. If your righteousness does not exceed the religious crowd, you will not enter into the kingdom of God. Wow. So... That word simply means this. It means that unless your righteous character and acts of righteousness are approved of God, unless you live a pure life, unless you add virtue to the things that you have started building, and unless the integrity of God is written on your hearts, Unless those things are done correctly in your thinking and your actions, you can't get in. Now, Pastor, you're talking about works. I didn't write these verses, but I do want to encourage you. I'm really not talking about works. See, there is a God way of doing things, and there is a man way. There is a demonic and a satanic way. And the choice is up to you and I. 
Could I get an amen? Now, I have a great concern for the body of Christ. And this is my message. What was the other? A boring introduction. I have a concern that pastors and believers, believers that I know, believers that I'm acquainted with, believers that I pastor, believers that I run into, that they are not taking seriously the Bible's call to personal holiness. As soon as I talk about holiness, oh man, you're going to start talking about do and don't. And do. If that is your attitude, please understand, you know nothing about God. And that which you thought you knew, you didn't even know that. God is not a list of do's and don'ts. That's why we are justified by faith. Do's and don'ts do not equip you, qualify you, or approve you before God unless they are founded into the pursuit of being like Him. Being like Him. Worldliness has begun to dominate our homes. We are too easy with sin and those that commit it in our congregations and our fellowships. It's far-fetched that you would ever find another Christian encouraging another Christian to stop immoral habits, even using slang and talking and worldly communication. Now, you may think that, oh, you're, you're just preaching like an holiness, old Holy Ghost preacher. Well, it would be to God that we were called holy by the world as the church was known before. We are too content with spiritual immaturities and a lack to become like Christ in people's personal lives. If you ask them, what are you using your faith for? It's going to be car, home, money, job. But the pursuit of holiness is the only guarantee that you will see God. The Bible says in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, verse 5 on down, that God chastens us so that it will bring forth the fruit of of holiness for without holiness without holiness without holiness you and I will not see God oh God, you're, you're, you're striking fear in my heart will be the God that you run from hell as fast as you can see we have lost the fear of the Lord that's why even though we know we're supposed to gather together we don't because who really is afraid of God? He's not taking account, said the foolish man. Now, I'm sorry, I am trying to be nice. But in the world that we live in, any time that you talk about holiness, purity, when you talk about responsibility, when you talk about true commitment and devotion to God, here's what you're going to run into. You're legalistic. You're intolerant. No, I'm not legalistic. If I'm preaching something that, that is not true here, please see me after the service and you and I can sit down and look at the scriptures. But you cannot begin to induce sin into your life and go back like a dog and eat your vomit and waller like an old sow in a bunch of mud and think that God's going to open the doors to glory for your entrance. 
This is not a condemnative message. This is a warning to wake up, to realize that the church is falling into a place that we have not been called by God to lie down and it's time to turn over the beds of Delilah and rise up and be the Samson that God called you and I to be. Hallelujah. God's mission in this world was to come to save people. And in saving people, he has to sanctify them or separate them from their sin. Because sin is what separates God from man and man from God. So Jesus comes to wash away our sin to remove that which separates man and to reconcile man unto God. And when he sanctifies us, the word sanctification simply means to be holy. So when sin is taken away, we stand before God holy. Well, that's who I am. Absolutely. That's who God created you to be. But if that was the only state that you could achieve and you didn't have to protect it or work on it, temptation would be useless against the believer. But because temptation is affected because it deals with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the mind, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, because it works. And that when you allow those things to move in your life, when it has its perfect work, you have sinned and died before God. That doesn't happen just because you sin. It happens because you create a perpetual life of sin. Could again, amen. So God makes us holy when we get born again because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Look, God has chosen us before the foundation of the earth in Christ Jesus and he's caused us to be washed by his blood, sanctified, and presented unto God holy. Now what are we supposed to do? We are supposed to protect this holy state by righteous deeds that supersede religion. And you might say, but pastor, how can I righteousness, sanctification, salvation, holiness are perpetual works. They are works in, emotion, uh, in motion. You are what God said you are, but you've got to protect it so that the ongoing work of holiness, purity, sanctification, and righteousness, as well as your salvation as you work it out daily, can move you closer to the likeness of God. But anytime you give in to unrighteousness, which all unrighteousness is a violation of the law, and all violation of the law is sin. Oh, but I don't like that word. I, I, I know it. But the problem is, is the Bible is filled with warnings about sin. And too many of us are finding out, and we want to know what we have because of the work of Christ. But we don't want to meet the criteria of a holy life. And if we don't live holy, we will not see God. Not only in this world will we see God moving in our life, breaking through, answering prayer, blessing us, responding to our faith, adventures. But we will surely not see him 
in eternity, and we will not hear the resounding, well done, good and faithful servant. Because it's holiness that is required to get us there. Now you are holy, but understand that it is under assault by man, by demonic, satanic powers, even by the attitude of the world towards you. Sometimes the church has forgot that we are enabled to take pressure. That we are enabled to endure hatefulness. We are enabled by God to endure rejection. We are enabled by God to pick ourselves up. We are enabled by God not to count our life dear to ourselves. We are enabled by God to count everything but dung that we may inherit the prize of the holy child, Jesus Christ. Purity in the eyes of God. Christ-likeness when he comes. Now that might not seem important to you. But it is. It needs to be our pursuit. We need to pursue holiness, Christ-likeness. When was the last time that we sat down and evaluated how much like Jesus am I? How much am I accepted by those that know Christ and how much am I accepted by the world that refuses him? You know, Jesus said, if you're friends of the world, you yeah, can't be friends of God. We are in the valley of decision today. We're in the valley of decision every day, fighting to establish an identity that God wants us to bear before the world. Christ came into the world. He is a complete Savior. He doesn't merely take away the guilt of sin. He destroys the power of it. Come on, somebody say, sin shall not rule over me. Then we need to stop surrendering to it. You say, but, but pastor, here's what holiness used to be in the old days. Brother Bud, help me. Holiness used to be, you don't cuss. You don't smoke. You don't, don't drink or chew. And you wear long clothes and you look like an old weathered barn. Now you may think that's funny. But you know what? You and the world and I have the same attitude towards those that try to preach holiness. We say they're intolerant. They don't understand. The relevancy of the gospel has changed. God's plans and his means have changed. They have changed but he has not compromised the requirements of our salvation. Come on, hallelujah. I feel like an old Baptist up here. Hallelujah. It used to be common for those that were called holy rollers. Don't call me a nice guy, world. Call me a holy roller. Call me someone that is beyond ordinary. Please, world, recognize something in me. That there is a flicker of Christ inside. Please, make fun of me. Scorn me. Reject me. 
Call me names. Do something. But don't offer me your way of life. A previous generation thought godliness was a list of do's and don'ts. Come to church. Pay your tithes. Give. We thought, well, that's holiness. That's godliness. Well, it can be. But it, that's not the only parameters of it. But in the world that we live in, we have so many people that never ever consider holiness. They just consider, tell me what I've got for what Jesus paid up. We sing songs, he paid it all. Just one drop of blood. And we think that that's the journey of salvation. That's the beginning of the journey of the fight of good and evil. The fight of unholy against holy. The fight of righteousness against unrighteousness. The second thing is that one of the first reasons that the fear and the passion for holiness makes you some kind of freak even in the church. You're legalistic. You're fundamental. I've had people tell me, well, you're just fundamental, aren't you? I said, if you mean that I believe what I believe for years and I believe what the Bible says and I'm not trying to make it fit my society, I'm as fundamental as you want to get, brother. I've had people try to insult me, but I just took it as a compliment. And I don't know why the pulpits of America become the enemies of the church. And that the pulpits of America are fearful of the church. And that the pulpits of America seem to want to be controlled by the church. Listen to me, friend. If we don't have somebody that's going to talk and be the voice of God, then understand we are always going to wander in the sands and we are never going to cross over into a land of Canaan. There has to be somebody that says this is what God says is right and this is wrong. But I have my personal salvation. You have your personal salvation. But it is everybody's job to make sure that you're not abusing it, that you are impending it or bringing it and incorporating it into your life. And why are we afraid of rebuke or chastisement or any type of judgment? Why are we afraid? Listen, if I'm doing something wrong, please say, this is wrong. Don't say, well, I think maybe you're doing something. If you can't see it plain enough, don't visit me. But if you say, brother... I have a question about this. It is rumored about you. 
then we all invite that type of seeking out, reasoning, prayer, strength, and counsel that weaknesses can be swallowed up by the strength of others. Could I get an amen? amen. Folks, why is righteousness and its requirements an enemy to a church? Why is it an enemy to the body of Christ? Why is it that old-time holiness preachers can find no place to give voice? Why are they, well, there's that old guy, you know, some old hillbilly, some guy in a check suit would be the God. You heard what he said. Amen. Come on, folks. Look, we are in jeopardy of losing the identity of purity in a world filled with sin. It's like we want to be accepted by society even if it costs us rejection by God. And so every time somebody gets up and is enthusiastic about calling people to repentance or holy living or anything like that, people just freak out. I'm not talking about sinners. I'm talking about saints. Oh, that's, that, that's too hard. He don't even want us to look at dirty magazines. Oh, God, my God, where's he live at? I live in union with God. Amen. Just as you are. And he is the Lord of our life. And we are not our own. We are bought with a price. We have all kinds of weird remarks and statements against people that talk about swearing or movies or music. God forbid that we would dress modestly. You know, we paid for them to be puffed up so we want everybody to see them. God forbid that we talk about self-control. Or just plain, flat-out godliness. Oh, do you think that's necessary? Yeah. But why are the preachers, why are the scriptures become our enemies instead of our fortress of refuge and guarantee of approval? Number three, we live in a culture where it's cool to be right on the edge. Right on the edge. You know, you want to be different than all of the rest of the body of Christ. Well, you know, I don't see it like that. Well, what does your I don't see getting you? You don't want to rebel, but you just don't want to agree. Because you want to be cool. Yeah. It simply means that being cool means that you push the boundaries with language. Now, I don't never talk like this, but I'm going to talk like this. Oh, crap. I forgot what I was going to say. 
You think that's funny? Is that how you want to talk to Jesus when you see him? S-C-R-E-W, that guy. What, what does that mean? Just tell me what it means. Well you, well, you know, Pastor. I want you to tell me what you're trying to tell me. Give me the interpretation. You're leading me somewhere. So just tell me where we're going. Now, when you start talking about that, immediately, well, you know, he, he's old. I even got a, an invitation about a month ago that I should retire. I'm irrelevant. There's going to have to be more than all of you. Yeah. But listen to me. What I'm trying to tell you is this. We want to remove all obstacles to the liberty of the flesh. Entertainment. Consumption of alcohol. We can't talk about fashion. Because holiness is much more than all of those. Holiness is an attitude of the pursuit of God-likeness in your life. It's not just fashion, music. Look, those are all byproduct of the absence of holiness. Man, I'm telling you, I just feel like a dog. I said that word. God, hallelujah. Oh, I should preach, but I shouldn't have to use that kind of language. Hallelujah. All right. So in order to be hip, we think we got to be on the edge. You got to use the slang. You, you, you got to talk to talk. If you're, you know, you're going to talk to sinners, you got to talk like sinners. No, you don't. No, you don't. No. Number four, among lots of Christians, a radical, fanatical, passion-filled proclamation of the call to holiness is often taken out of content. What right does a man have to tell me how to behave? What right do you have to bear the name of Christ and not behave? Yes. These are important things, folks. Judgment. We are called Anytime we start talking about that, many people get this false feeling of judgment. I'm uneasy. I'm, I'm, it's like I'm being convicted. I, I, I just can't. Why are you squirming if you are there? And if you're squirming, what are you trying to squirm over, cover, or justify? If you're squirming here today and you feel like you're being judged, I'm not trying to judge you. I'm telling you that it's time for us to come up and embrace our identity and let ourselves be called the holy nation of God. The holy nation of God. Let us awaken to righteousness and let's 
stop sin being in our life. Judgment is a part of the Christian life. He that is spiritual judges all things. So if you're not judging yourself, again, it is the inadequacy of spiritual maturity in the church. To take a rebuke and not to be offended is maturity. To be rejected and forsaken of all others, but accepted and approved of God is spiritual maturity. But it's immaturity when you are so easily crushed because somebody says, you don't have a right to judge me. Aren't you a Christian? Aren't you supposed to love? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. God gave you a spine. I'm not afraid of judgment. We should not be afraid to execute it. Realize Jesus said this. That he takes us as a bride, but he washes us with his word. That we might be blameless, sober, without spot or wrinkle. What does that mean? You're going to have to see if you have any. You got to look at yourself. Look at yourself. I don't want to smell like an old man, so I buy this body wash. I don't want. I just don't want to smell like an old man. What's an old man smell like? I don't know. I can't smell myself. But I want to look in to the crevices of my life, and I want to see: is there something hiding in there? David cried out, "Oh God, don't take your spirit from me! God, cleanse me of hidden sins." What sin is worth hiding? Is it your fornication that may lead to divorce is going to drive your wife and your children into some shack down on the end of town that you wouldn't live in? And then the woman that you're sleeping with or the man you're sleeping with, they're going to do the same thing to their children. And they're going to end up in such brokenness that they're going to wonder, where is God? Why would I believe in an eternal God when he was not there to help? Where was he when my father or mother was tearing our world apart? Is it the alcohol that you so are impressed that you get a sip? You get to drink it? Get enjoy it? You get to tell people, well, I'm not condemned and I'm not convicted. Hardened consciences never are. But if I could go back to the first time that you took the first drink, you took it with eyes flashing to make sure that nobody was watching. And God did not send an act of judgment upon your frail life. The drink that you took and allowed your children to let go so that at 17 years old, your child is an alcoholic. Which part of sin do you want? Do you want the broken home? Do you want the addicted child? Do you want the child in prison? What Do you want the child that, in prostitution? What part of sin do you want? There's nothing good in sin or God would never come to rescue you from it. Hallelujah. 
Number five, even among conservative Christians, sometimes there is a mistake, a notion that if we are truly gospel-centered, we won't talk about rules. We won't talk about people that are living wrong. We won't talk about moral standards. It makes us uncomfortable, Pat. What, what do you have to talk about? What is right and wrong? What do you have to talk about? Sex and white. Why do you? Because playboy is a lie and the Bible is the truth. Amen. Sometimes when we get into these preaching things, it comes up this way. I don't need you to advise me on moral standards. I know, but I am authorized by God to do so. And no matter how sound you think your morality is, it can always use adjustment until the day that we part from this earth. Hallelujah. Sometimes when we are together, we start talking about these things, we think that we're preaching that everybody's a sinner. Nobody's holy. We're not doing that at all. Maybe you don't need this message. But you know, every Sunday is not about you, friend. Could I get an amen? It's not about you. I remember there was a man that came into our church. His wife had come. And I borrow this without... I just borrow because I, I, this will get your point across. Maybe. That man came to the service. His wife looked at him. She said, what are you doing here? He said, I, I felt like I should come. Okay. Wow. Phyllis got up that Sunday morning. She said, honey, I believe there's somebody here who needs to give their life to Jesus. She pled and she pled and nobody come. Well, she pleaded, she pleaded, whichever one you want. Nobody come. She looked at me right here with tears in her eyes, and she said, I failed. I'm sorry I failed. I said, honey, you didn't fail. You gave the call. That man was standing there, and he went out to lunch with his wife and his mother-in-law afterward, and he said, I was the one that was supposed to go to the altar. He said, I didn't go, but I did receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior today. And he made a public confession of it to them. That man had suffered a great tragedy in his life. Something that he could not cleanse himself of the guilt of. With no, nothing having to do with him. Nothing that he could do beyond his hope. But it vexed him for so many years. The next day, he took his life. That service wasn't about you at all. The church has got to get beyond just self-centered. Filling our balloons and our sails so that we can make it through the next week. No. On a good day when you're so beat up you can't crawl in here which I've come in here on Sunday so beat up that I thought, God, I'm not going to make it through this service. 
I don't want to make it through this service. I don't want to be this service. But I was in better spiritual condition than people are in prisons. People being killed, maimed, hung, crucified for Christ Jesus. The church is not just about us. It's about everybody around us. I asked God, I said, God, why didn't you stop him? He said, son, I showed all the grace and mercy that I could to that man. I said, God, you could have saved. Yeah, I said, you, you could have stopped it. He said, no. I forgave him. But I can't make people forgive their self. I was as merciful as I could be. Church services aren't just about you and I. They're about everybody that comes here. They may be in a fur coat, driving a Lamborghini, you know, sell all that you have and give to pastor. And I'm kidding. But they may be the most broken person. Or there might be somebody like Lazarus that all he needs just a crumb thrown out the back of the door. He's very content. So when we come to these radical times, we must remember that we are warned, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We are encouraged to, that we are to cleanse ourselves from all spiritual and physical defilement that we might be saved. 2 Corinthians 7, 1 and 2. We are warned against immorality creeping into us and us not being aware, Ephesians 5, 3. So here, I've told you five reasons why holiness is such a toxic subject for anybody that wants to bring it to the forefront. But I believe better of the body of Christ than what statistics say. And I believe that we are the people that are the light of the world and we are the people that are a holy nation. We are a people that are willing to disrobe ourselves and cover ourselves in the godliness image of Christ Jesus. And I believe the best about every person in here. But I also call us into account that you and I should begin to look and evaluate. If Jesus came today, would I let him in? Would I turn on my TV channel? Would I let him hear what I said to so-and-so? Would I let him read my Facebook? Would I let him read my messengers? I let him look into the drawers and go into the history of my television viewing. Would I want him to turn on the recorder of the conversations filled with just hate and disdain and disgust to my spouse and my children? What if he read my heart? I love her, but I hate that she's still here. I wonder 
would we let him read our lives? This is not just for you. This is for me. We all have to say, God, cleanse me of hidden sins. That means we're totally aware that they're there. And it does mean that we have to let God do his work that we may be complete and entire, lacking nothing. The church must gain its identity. Let him call us holy rollers. Let him call us radicals. Let him call us the weird ones. But let us not be called by the world friends. It doesn't mean we don't have friends in the world. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is, Jesus said, take heed when they talk good of you. Talk good of you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet today. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes white as snow. Hallelujah, Father. God casts us not off. And I know, God, that your heart is reaching and reaching and reaching. Mercy and long-suffering, God. Relentless is your pursuit upon us. Why holiness, God? Because of the terribleness and tragedy of sin. Why holiness, that I may pour my goodness and my blessing upon you. Why holiness, God, that you'll not be bound by death. Why holiness, God, that we may stand face to face. Why holiness, God, because I seek blessing. And I seek to give you life in it more abundantly. Come out from among them, touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you unto myself and you shall be my people. And I shall be your God. Holiness. Holiness freely given. But violently protected by the righteous God we thank you so much today hallelujah 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 if you are here today and you're not a Christian you're here today and you're a backslider you're here today and you're a hypocrite and you know it it doesn't matter what state you're in if you're not ready for heaven this is the most important part of the service 
is that Jesus is calling out to you. Not looking down on you. He's not condemning you. He's looking to leave the 99 to find the one. That may be you. He's come to save every sinner. That may be you. He's come to write the tables of every hypocrite. That may be you.